This is the Kaniac Report. I am Sam Wallace. And I am Sam Driscoll. And you know what? What? It's mentor time. Yes, it is. So we hope you guys had a fun last week and this week's episode. Uh, we'll be analyzing the uh, Metropolitan teams as over 30% of our schedule is against those teams. Kind of important Easy to beat games, those right? teams. Easy games. Well, maybe <laughs> one team, but none of them are pushovers. No, Metro is one of the best divisions in hockey. It is. I mean, now, the East, the Atlantic. I mean, the East Eastern Conference is probably the best conference in hockey, if we're being honest. I, I don't think there's... Other than Colorado out west, there is no t- there is no division where it's like, yeah, you can compete with with the <clears throat> with with the with Atlantic or Metro. I mean, Colorado could probably take on both divisions on its own, um, and fare easily and fare and fare decently enough. So, yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's not like the other divisions are bad. It's just and especially the Pacific, as all ca- hockey fans would know, it's just more wide open. Out in, yeah. the e- out in the West than it is during yeah. the East. I mean, you have a wide-open division there where you don't have a lot of really great teams, but so there's a lot of spots to, for teams to move. And then you have the Atlantic where you have a lot of good teams where it's who's going to take that, you know, take the bull by the horns and, and win the division and really do well. Even when you have Atlanta, you know, I have not Atlanta, well, <laughs> not Atlanta, when you have Tampa and you have a lot of other good teams in there, you know, a team can fall. It's it's you never know. Yeah, you Stam- ne- you have play, you have a lot of older players, and they could age. Stamkos could age out of what he did last year. It's just reality. I mean, it happens to good players all the time. So see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But um, news for you guys later in this episode, uh, we have a, a new guest on actually, and Wade Mentor. Uh, Sam kind of hinted that in his intro. And uh, we hope you guys enjoy it. Sam and Wade have a blast talking to each other. It was great. Oh, for sure. It was fun. You all will enjoy it. Have some laughs. And um, definitely look forward to hopefully having them on again sometime. Uh, it's always good to cut up and have some uh, have some fun. Yes. And let's get on to some Canes news. We found out last week that... The Canes have revealed their alternate jerseys. I was so happy those, about the reveal. Those were my favorite jerseys of all time. I love the original Reds, the ones we won the cup in, the ones that I, you know, we grew up watching the exactly. team play in. You know, that's what a lot of big, you know, a lot of people our age. That's what we grew up watching, and it's um, it you know, those are a callback to those to those jerseys, and I'm excited. Uh, Probably going to want to get one. <laughs> going to want to get Same one. Here. So uh, they know that. Um, Got to also look out for when they drop the the Stadium Series jerseys. Those are going to be hot sellers. Probably going to want one of those, too, at some point. So I'm going to be spending a lot of money. Yeah, I know. Wallets aren't going to feel very happy after those things come out. But you know what? It's going to be a um, it's going to be exciting. Oh, it's it going to be fun. I, I'm like, really looking forward to watching the games when they play in those jerseys. But I'm also simultaneously ecstatic that we're wearing the black jerseys all year. I think this is a good bridge. I've seen it discussed online. This is a great bridge from the old, you know, the first 25 years into the next, to the next era of Hurricanes hockey. Right, you go from the red to the black. So I think that's exciting. I think that's going to be fun. You know, Tom Dundon loves those black jerseys. That's why this is the. That's most likely the biggest reason we're making this call. Fans love the black jerseys. Another big reason that we're they're making this decision. Um, but it's going to be a good twenty five year. If you've seen the pictures online, the ice painted. That's going to. I love. I love the twenty five year logo in the center ice. Oh, I, I think do that's too. awesome. Um, it's going to be great. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it is. And also, while we're we're recording this, there has been a prospects tournament going on uh we know this morning because we're recording this on a sunday hurricanes won in overtime against nashville and got blasted 
yesterday <laughs> Florida. by Florida. Um, I don't really pay too much attention to this because, I mean, it's the first game back for pretty much everybody. So they're gearing up for hockey season. Uh, but it is interesting to see uh, who he's been doing well. I know Jameson Reese has kind of been leading the pack. Yeah, there. I mean that sounds like he's a standout player. So I, I mean, he got into a fight actually. <laughs> well, you know, Carolina can use some players that are tough and willing to stand up for their teammates. I, I truly believe that this this organization needs players like that. And you know, it's all it is a hundred percent possible that Jameson Reese makes the makes the roster. Yeah, it's possible. And a couple of players that to me stood out just from news of around surrounding the games and all that stuff was like Vasily Panamerev and Noel Gunler. So I uh, will see how that goes along. And now let's get into the- I, well, one of the, I, I was disappointed we didn't get to see our defensive prospect. I was kind of hoping he'd be invited to play. Oh, Scott Morrow. Yeah, I really. I, that's really who I wanted to to see, but he didn't come and play. I wanted to see Suzuki. He was hurt. Completely understand. They must feel he's ready to make that jump because the understanding was he was healthy enough to play, but they wanted to hold him out of an abundance of caution. So they really want to give him a chance to make the roster. I feel like that's the plan here because this is a big year for him. Because honestly, if he he needs to either have an unbelievable season in Chicago or make the Hurricanes roster, I, I think that's his really he he has to do both or one or the other. Or else I think his um, he's going to be a career minor leaguer, and I don't think that's what he wants. I think he's got a good potential. I think Moro's got good potential. I think those two players have the highest ceiling. It's just a matter of can Suzuki get there, or did the injuries stop him? Yeah, and we'll we'll find out in due time. Uh, I know uh, this morning they also had the 5K run. Yep. What's interesting is Jack Jury was amongst those yeah. NHL players. So I think that kind of shows that he's – Pretty much in the lineup. So yeah, Jack Jury is going to make the roster. I really would be, be surprised fun. otherwise. If he didn't, I would be, I, I would be shocked. So yeah, Jack Jury makes it. I think the only thing that threw into question whether or not that happened was the Stasny signing. And when Pacioretty comes back, there's going to be questions. Um, in reality, when it comes to the locker room, I, I think Martin looks key piece. When it comes to the roster, if you're just looking at the players, it's starting to become harder and harder and harder to really see a fit for him, right? Because you have players who, you know, you have, you bring in Stasny, who at the end of the day, once you're healthy, might be a fourth-line center, which is kind of where Martinuk has been on that fourth. So it's starting to become harder and harder to see where Martinuk fits. I know that might be a hot take. I know people love Martinuk. Good gracious day. I love Jordan Martinuk. He's unbelievable guy. as a guy he he's probably one of the kindest people yeah probably. for sure and couldn't Mar- and you know the best thing that could happen to this organization is jordan martin have a year like he did when we made it to the stanley cup uh playoffs had a great year i would love to see that jordan martin happen he says he's been injury plagued again it's just becoming harder and harder to see a spot where the contract fits right he's a good player to have Probably not at what was it two? I think two million something around at one point eight million. One point eight. So we're sitting at two. It's not a bad contract. No, like it, it's, it's absolutely. Situation. It's absolutely not a bad gar- a bad contract at, at all. It, it's just hard. You know, you have to justify benching at one point eight. Each your alternate. They have not announced the captaincies. I believe for the season, not yet. I'm sure that will come. Does Martinuk still have the A? I think that'll be telling. If Martinuk does not and Ajo has it full time, I think that starts to become telling what their plan is for Martinuk. And that'll probably say, okay, they're willing to bench him and not maybe play him as much as they have. Because, you know, you, you can't necessarily, you don't necessarily bench an alternate captain. So I think not giving him the A allows you to keep that presence in the locker room while being able to have a lot of flexibility. And Ajo's earned the A. I think you would agree with that. Oh, he has. Um, Slavin's the other A. He's earned that. I think those two players are obvious for the A, and then I think Jordan Stahl's going to wear the C until he probably retires. Jordan Stahl's the captain of this franchise until he doesn't want to be anymore. Exactly. I, I, Rob Brendamore loves him, and we love him. You know, we've affectionately, your father has affectionately nicknamed him Stonehand Stahl. Oh, my God. <laughs> but we, 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 love, uh, we love Jordan Stahl. 
what he brings to this team is important. A good defensive third line center. Again, we've only talked about it's really just a matter of is he a third or fourth line? Is, is that shutdown line third or fourth? So, and you know, at the end of the day, Robert Nemore doesn't number his lines. Yes. Well, we'll talk more about that in our season preview for next week. This week, we're going to be talking about the Metro teams more in detail and see uh, if they have gotten better or if they've gotten worse. Uh, New Jersey uh, is our first team that we're going to be starting with. Uh, this could be a very dangerously offensive team. Yeah. Uh, they brought in Palat and Eric Halla. And on the back end, mm, Brandon boo, Smith. Eric Halla. Yeah. And then on the back end, Brandon Smith, John Marino, and a goalie in Vita Vanacek. Yeah, Vitek Vanacek. So, New Jersey, they got better. I, don't, I mean, when you add a player like Andre Palat, you get better. Um, you had a player like Eric Halla. You're you're getting better in depth. He's still a good offensive forward. He's been in play. He's been on playoff teams the last several years. You got Vegas. You have Carolina. You've got Nashville. You've got Boston, and now you've got uh, New Jersey. So, is this team ready to make the jump? I think it's definitely possible that they make that jump. Um, when we talked about our season previews last time, I had New Jersey at four. In the Metro, I think it's hard to push them into three. But again, Columbus, New Jersey, maybe in some wiggle room there. But um, is that enough? And if so, I mean, they're good. This is not a pushover team. This no, team is not. going to hurt you, and they're going to be a pain to play against. They have a reliable defenseman, as Hurricanes fans know, and Brendan Smith, who who is ready to have that full-time you know, bottom-pairing role. He'll serve the Devils wonderfully. You've got um, Vitek Vanacek. He's a good goalie. He's you know maybe not an all star, but good goalie. You've got Blackwood. If he can get his stuff together, he is a good goalie. I think if he plays his best hockey, he's a he's a goalie that's going to steal you some games, and that's what you need in the Metro, right? Yeah, every- and New Jersey, that's their struggle right now. Yes, is goaltending, and I would say somewhat on the back end. Uh, we know ha- Hamilton pretty well. Yep. He has his defensive miscues. Severson did not have a good season at all last year. Yep. Uh, But they bring in Brendan Smith, who can bring some depth. But they're lacking that number one shutdown defenseman, in my opinion. The closest is probably Ryan Graves. So that's going to be very interesting. And I think uh, their young forwards in... uh, Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, Hiche, Mercer, they're going to get better. In fact, I think Mercer could have a huge breakout season, even though NHL Network ranked Seth Jarvis number one, which I was really happy to see. Very well, yeah. I mean, it's just it's what you get from Jarvis is easy to see, right? He had a good rookie campaign, but it's easy to see him take a massive step. Um, but yeah, New Jersey. I think they're a playoff team. I, I think the top four in each Metro and um, the Metro and the Atlantic make the playoffs. I know you think the top five in the Metro and just the three in the Atlantic, but I mean, it could definitely go either way, but oh, really I think could. the devils make the playoffs. I, I do. I really think that they have put together a scrappy team. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the Carolina hurricanes and um, a few years ago. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. I think the 2019 team, the scrappy team that made the playoffs. So I could see them having a rough start, you know, trying to get everything together, but making that push. Definitely. And next we're going to go on with the aging Washington Capitals. And that's that's going to be, I think, one of their uphill battles is because of how old this team is. I mean, Ovechkin, he's 36 years old. John Carlson and uh, Evgeny... Kuznetsov and Oshi are up there in age. Like, this is a pretty old team. Well, when the Carolina Hurricanes beat them in 19, right, in Game 7, the longer that series went, the better the chances of Carolina Hurricanes winning the game, right? Because Carolina was younger, they were faster, and they had the endurance. Washington did not. Washington looked slower as Game 7 went along, and we started getting into overtimes, right? This is the same thing here. Is this a playoff team? I don't think so. I've, I've said that I don't think so. I have Washington at five. If the top five and the Atlantic and the sorry in the Metro make it, then yeah, they're a playoff team. Are they a good playoff team? No, they'll lose in the first round like they did this year. Ovechkin doesn't have his number got number one 
guy in Backstrom. He's Backstrom yeah, he's probably. injured. I, I don't know if Backstrom plays another hockey game for the Capitals. I don't know if he retires. I think that might be his best move. Uh, is Kuznetsov good? Sure, but he's also a goal scorer. He's not really a playmaker. TJ Oshie's an, uh, an assist guy. Yeah. So, I don't know. They brought in a few new faces in Dylan Strom, Connor Brown. Uh, that kind of covers some depth up front. I'm not really concerned with the Washington offense. It's more so to me their defense. Their defense. I'm a little they bit have concerned about John Carlson. Other than that, I mean, Dmitry Orlov's fine. Trevor Rand Reemstike, as Hurricanes fans know, he's fine. Are these? Is this really a a defense that teams can take advantage of in the end? Yes. I think that's just the reality that you have here. Now, offensively, I think they have the guy in John Carlson. He's a great offensive Absolutely. defenseman. It's, Absolutely. It's uh, just that the defensive-minded defenseman that they have probably maybe not there. And then you've got Darcy Kemper in goal. Kemper's a good goalie. He's going to study some games. That's what he did for Colorado. He will for Washington. Is that going to be enough? I don't know. You know, there's a lot of questions around this Capitals team. Does Oshi age out of being good? Does Ovechkin age out? And can he not do it anymore? I mean, at the end of the day, it's really a matter of can Ovechkin put up those numbers? Because if Ovechkin's not scoring 50 goals, Washington's not making the playoffs because they're not winning the games that they make, that they win. Yes. And... It's going to be interesting to see Washington because they're an aging team, but Ovechkin kind of is is the front runner. We'll see. And goaltending was suspect for them last season. Can Kemper solve that? I don't know. Kemper's an upgrade. He is. I, I don't think there's a argument that Kemper's not an upgrade. He is. It's a matter of whether that is enough. So... I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, the next team on, on the list is the Penguins. You're higher on them than I am. Uh, I have them finishing sixth. I think they're old. I think they made, some people are saying, good decisions in the offseason. They didn't get better. They stayed the same. And staying the same in the Metropolitan, as the Hurricanes have found out, every year at the deadline is not enough to move forward in the playoffs. It is not enough to be better in the playoffs. So, no, I don't think that the Penguins giving ridiculous contracts to Malkin and Latang got them better. Giving another contract to Ricard Raquel, cool. Were there better options available? Sure. Could they have used that money they gave to Malkin and Latang and try and make a push for Goudreau? Was that the better move? Yeah. So, I mean, Kasperi Kapanen, they gave him a they gave him a raise and an extension. Is he gonna be able to live up to what they hope from him? There are so many questions here. Crosby is Crosby. He's getting older like Ovechkin. Does he and age Malkin. out? Yeah, does he age out? And does Malkin and does Crosby, Malkin and Latang age Pittsburgh out of a playoff race? And if you have these players and you've got these players long term, is that it for Pittsburgh for a while? They're gonna have to enter a rebuild and it's gonna be hard to rebuild when you have three players that you can't get rid of their contracts. Yeah, well it's easy when it comes to rebuilding, it's easier to tear everything down, but it's hard to rebuild back up. And with Crosby and Malkin I, I still think they're a playoff team just for that reason. But I don't think they go on a huge playoff run anymore because they have not solved the goaltending issue with Tristan Jerry. And No, Jari's not a good goalie. I'm sorry. I never believed in the Pittsburgh goaltending, and I probably never will. I mean, their last great goaltender was Flurry. Yeah, Matt Murray was not the answer. They chose Murray over Flurry, and that bombed out from under them. Now they chose Jari over Murray and another swing and a miss. So Jari was, I think, up there in consideration for Vesna, which I was thought was laughable. I thought, okay, cool. He's not good. I don't think he's good. He has never proven it in the playoffs. He's never shown up in the playoffs, to be perfectly honest. So at least Matt Murray has. He's just Yeah, Matt Murray won him season. a cup. 
Matt Murray not, hasn't been that good, but once in the playoffs, he magically turns it on. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, that's all you need. But I think Pittsburgh's not a playoff team. You disagree. But again, with people, when you have Crosby and Malkin, you know, you're going to be good. Yeah, you are. It. I, I'm never going to doubt Crosby and Malkin because they can still put this team on their back. So the biggest questions with Pittsburgh is can their star players keep going and can their goaltending serve up to potential? And the, the goaltending, I really have my doubts. Can Crosby and Mulgan still put this team on their back? Yes, they can. I still think they can. But again, when, when it comes to them aging, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Could potentially fade out. The next team... I think this is a team that is in complete disarray. Yep. And to me, this is the only team in the Metro division where I'm mostly safe to say they're not going to be competitive with the rest of the group. Yeah, I the, can see an argument for every other team, but not Philadelphia. The Philadelphia Flyers' only shining light is Tony D'Angelo, Cam Atkinson, and their head coach. That a playoff team does not make. Tony D'Angelo was a great Carolina Hurricane who played great with Jacob Slade. He doesn't have that here. He doesn't have that in in, in Philadelphia. He will still be that offensive player. He's still going to get your points. He is going to be that that Dougie Hamilton to the New Jersey Devils. He's going to be that to the Philadelphia Flyers. Kind of like what Brent Burns is to the Hurricanes. Yeah, and the difference that you have, you've got Tony D'Angelo, Dougie Hamilton, Brent Burns. You have two examples so far who've played with Jacob Slavin. And that has turned out so well. Will it happen again with Brent Burns? Probably. But what happened to Dougie when he left Carolina? He did not have that same flair. He also got hurt. Exactly. Can Tony D'Angelo replicate that? I think so. There's already proven it once when he was in New York. So he just needs to keep it cool and he'll be fine. My concern there is you've got a player like D'Angelo who has his history. We all know it. I, I don't think it's a reason to judge the player. but. You have a coach who's... I like the coach in Tortorella. I love Tortorella, too. But I don't know if Tortorella can and, fix and what's Tony D'Angelo are going to get along either. And yeah, they're not going to get along. And with them not getting along, you know, it's not, that's not, a, that's not like a, a done deal that they won't get along. I just think there's a possibility of that happening with D'Angelo and Torts. But if Tortorella's already publicly said that there is going to be no, uh, there's a problem in the locker room, I think that says a lot. It speaks volumes to that organization. And when your coach is already having doubts about the locker room being able to do anything, you're, you're in a lot of trouble. Yes. I mean, it's a team that has a few good players. I like Sean Couturier, Cam Atkinson, even Joel Fairby. I know Ivan Provarov. Ivan Provorov had a disastrous season, but it's a team that where the dysfunction within it, I think, is going to make for a terrible season for Philly. Yeah. They still have some good players, but that's that's how I see it moving forward. For with sure. This and I mean, there's players on this roster that I that I want to cheer for. Kevin Hayes being being one of them. He lost, you know, a family member. I mean. You have Carter Hart. I, I like him, too. I but like they to rushed him. him. They did. They opinion. absolutely rushed him. He had a great season as a kind of a 1A, 1B, and then he just flatlined. Is Carter Hart their goalie for, for the long term? Sure. Carter Hart a good goalie? Yeah. I think but, he can get there, but he's not there right now. No, he's not an all-star. He's a solid goalie, and that's what they need. I mean, they just need a goalie to compete. They're going to let him keep going. Um, but no, Philadelphia finishes bottom. They're they're not much of a team. They're going to be – are they a pushover? No, I mean, there's no NHL team really that's a pushover. Maybe Arizona. But Philadelphia's still going to still gonna, gonna fight you. I mean, they've got toughness on this team. I mean, that is what's here. Reminds me of the old, you know, Broad Street bullies. This this team is, is going to be tough. They're going to be – you know, grindy, they're going to be gritty, and that's what you get when you have players like Tony D'Angelo and Ivan Provorov on your team. Exactly. Now let's get on to the New York Rangers. I think you and I agree this is a playoff team. It's yeah. just, are they able to repeat what they had with a long playoff run in last year? 
Yeah, I mean, they really didn't. I wouldn't say they necessarily improved. They probably stayed the same. They got, they had Cop replaced Cop with Trocheck. I think that's about an even exchange. Trocheck might be like a little bit better. As Hurricanes fans know, we love Trocheck. Cop, great player too. And they lost Frank Vetrano too. Yeah, and a couple other players. So did they get better? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Are they the same? If so, they're still a number. But they're going to compete for that top spot in the Metro with us. Um, they knew they knew they needed the second line center. Yes, and I think Boy, if they got and that was Trocheck, and if they got Goudreau, I think this team would be number. I, I think if New York had gotten Goudreau, which is kind of what was a possibility for a little while, if the Rangers didn't know, was thought the Islanders were, and New Jersey had a hard run. Yeah, New Jersey took a run. Rangers took a run. Islanders took a run for a little while. It was rumored Rangers were looking pretty certain. That would have scared the ever-loving crap out of me. I would have said Carolina number two, Rangers number one. There is no comparison there. When you have a player like Goudreau, Panarin, Zabinijak, Lafreniere, Capococco, it's hard. So, I mean, Rangers got better? Probably not. Did they get worse? No. About the same. I think they probably most likely will get better because they still have young players in Lafreniere and Kako. Yeah. It might take that next step. So, yes, if they have players that take the next step, they're better. Did they improve on paper? Not really. So, like I said, they stayed the same on paper, but that does, you know, like the Hurricanes, you know, they didn't necessarily improve in certain aspects, but if their players take another step, absolutely. Is Nate just an improvement on Nate's? Well, you hope so. Did Carolina still improve their roster? Yes, absolutely they did. I mean, because you bring in Stasny, you bring in Pacioretty, you bring in Burtz, Coughlin, a lot of good players, and then you have Drury. Stepan might be coming back. Calvin DeHaan yeah, might be Yeah, DeHaan, I was about to say. Carolina get better? Uh, yeah, 100%. Kasha, oh goodness gracious. Kasha, an under-the-radar under the signing. If he so, can stay healthy, that's yeah. the biggest question for Kasha. So, do the Rangers get better? Again, you have to compare these two teams because I think they're just so similar. You have a team with an elite defense. Both teams have that. Teams with high-powered offense. Both teams have that. And the goaltending. And teams with two, like... Two, not one, two good goaltenders. Well, the Rangers, that's that's actually one thing. Well, no, Yaro Halak, he's still a good goalie. Teams I, I still like Halak. Good goaltenders. So yeah. Carolina and New York are such similar teams. I still say Carolina's better. I don't care that they beat us in Game 7. I think Carolina was better. I think Carolina had an off night. Ronta got hurt. The backup had to come in who hadn't played for a while. Your starting goaltender was hurt. A lot of things are going up against Carolina in that series that did not break the right way. Carolina. And Jarvis got hurt in the last game. Yeah. So that game just wasn't going their way from start to finish. So Carolina, I believe, gets revenge this year, though. Yeah, let's hope. Now, uh, for the New York Islanders, however, they're a mystery to me. I mean, I labeled them at uh, the seventh position in the standings episode that we did last week. They could, maybe, but they don't have that store forward. No, I mean, they have depth. No, but they, they have, don't have the star power player. They probably have three, maybe four. They probably got four second lines. They're all about the same. And, you know, you know, I'm, I'm probably exaggerating a little bit here, but just showing that mediocrity, they have like a hybrid, right? They got that two and a half. They have like three two and a half lines, right? No one on here is going to pop out at you other than Barzell. I, I don't see it. Zach Parise, maybe he has an, a comeback season. I doubt it. I like Nelson and Lee, uh, but... It lacks that true star player in the forward group, but their defense, however, I would agree. I think this is one of the best defensive defensemen group uh, probably in the NHL because you have two, I would say, very good shutdown defensemen in Pelic and Pollock. I think Dobson, he, he had a breakout season last year with 51 points in 80 games. I like their D. I like their goaltending. It's just that offense. Can they get more production from their forwards? I don't know if they can. And to, 
to me, that's the biggest question with this team. Yeah, for sure. Their goalie is going to steal them some games, though. Ilya Sorokin's very good. Semyon Varlamov's very good. I mean, they're both going to steal games, but it, I don't think it's enough. Yeah, and they added uh, Romanov, who I think played pretty good for Montreal. I think he's a good top four defenseman. But we'll see how that goes with the Islanders. Next is Columbus. Obviously, they landed the big player in Johnny Gaudreau. I do think this team's a playoff team. I really do. I think they have the goaltending, the defense, and the offense. Absolutely. I mean, this team team scares me, right? Goudreau, Line, first, second line, goal scores. You got a threat no matter who's on the ice when you have that first and second line out there. Boone Jenner is very, very good. Gustav Nyquist is very, very good. Zach Wierenski on the defense. Eric, you know, Gabranson, Boquist, Jake Beans, an offensive defenseman on the third pairing. If he finds himself, you know, if he takes that step he never took in Carolina, Columbus's defense is going to be set. Elvis Merzlik, again, I like their goalies, I think, more than you. Merzlikens. And Corpusalo, I think, are are very good goalies. Um, I think Columbus I like Morris better than Corpusalo. I feel as though the Columbus team is good from top to bottom. I yes. think they're very consistent. I think they're deep. I think they have a team built for a playoff run. Is it there yet to make a deep playoff run? Probably not. But, but they could be that kind of Cinderella team that seems like every absolutely. playoffs has that one. I mean, we were like that in the first year when we got into the playoffs. Oh, for sure. And I think this team could do that. Just like I think New Jersey. I think New Jersey, even though on my rankings I have the Columbus Blue Jackets rated higher than I have New Jersey. But I think New Jersey has that drive that might push them farther in the playoffs, but Columbus has the better regular season team. So, but again, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if they flip-flopped in the regular season. But I think Columbus is very good. They're very scary. I really wish Carolina had made a stronger push for Goudreau, maybe over trying to get Pacioretty. But Carolina's not a free agency team. They're makes make a move by trade respect that completely but i do too and i think the trade route was a better route for them than free agency because it can hit you bad well free agency is uncertain it's free agency is uncertain new jersey it's uncertain new york didn't get him other new york didn't get him columbus got him which shocked a lot of people so yeah I, i don't know yeah so uh those are all our takes on the metro teams and uh we hope Carolina can play pretty well against them. I mean, again, the mo- over 30% of the schedule that the Canes have is against the Metro teams. They need to win yeah. them. They have known to struggle with Metro teams before. Mm-hmm. But I think Carolina's going to have a good year. I-, I really do. Carolina dominated the West last year. I expect that again. Even splitting games with Colorado. Shut them out once at home. So yeah. Carolina... Does what they did last year. I think they're fine. You need to you need to, to to just really at the end of the day, no matter who you're playing, you need to win most of your games at home, be at least five hundred on the road, and you're you're looking pretty. Yeah. Well, uh we hope you guys enjoy this interview that Sam had with Wade. It was a great interview, and uh we hope you guys enjoy it. Enjoy. Well, we would like to welcome the public address announcer for the Carolina Hurricanes, H. Wade Minter from across the pond joining us. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing all right. So we're getting ready to start a a pretty probably pivotal season for the Hurricanes. Um, What are your just general thoughts on on the team and what makes you most excited to, to start? Well, it's been a great few years, uh, especially after the previous 10. So, you know, it's good that the expectations are getting higher. The team's setting a bar that they want to be able to reach. Um, You know, for a long time, it was make the playoffs, just make the playoffs again. And now that's pretty much an expectation. Now it's win it all. Uh, And you you can credit the coaching staff and the front office for that. Uh, I'm real excited to see if the team can kind of take a step up. It was a, a very good season last year. I think it ended in a way that 
probably nobody on the team wanted it to end. You know, you couldn't win a road game. The power play dried up. The team looked like they ran out of gas, which is unusual for a Rod Brendan Moore coach team. Um, but, you know, the front office has made some moves this year, and I think everyone's going to have a little bit of a better taste in their mouth from how the season ended last year, and hopefully they uh, they use that for motivation. I, we completely agree. We're hoping for a, a better end to the season than a game seven um, exit against the Rangers at home, nonetheless. Um, so you've been the PA announcer for a little while now. Um, what is a memory of yours that is probably what's your what is your favorite memory um, since you started as a PA announcer? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a tough one because there have been a lot of good memories. I'm starting my eighth season now, so 2015-16 was my first year with the team. And, you know, first few years were uh, a little rough. Um, so probably my best memory is being able to announce Kane's clinch playoffs in 2019, uh, you know, because I've, I've been been a fan of the team since I moved here in 1999 and, have you know, was in the building in 06 when they won the cup as a fan. And, you know, it was a rough, rough 10 years there, not making the playoffs, you know, being just bad enough to miss, but good enough to not get a good draft pick and kind of just, you know, floating along in the season of mediocrity there. But, you know, with the new ownership and new coaching regime and new players came in, being able to be at home and announce to the crowd that we were finally in the playoffs was uh, was probably the best memory. You have a so we're coming up on the 25th anniversary of the team. You've been a fan pretty much from inception, 99, only a couple of years, Carolina being here. Who has been your favorite player through these 25 years? You've watched this team. You've kind of seen them grow. You've seen the good times. You've seen the bad times. You've seen the best time. What is your who's your favorite player during this during the era of Carolina Hurricanes hockey? Oh, man, there's 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 so many good ones, and you know the the obvious choice would clearly be Rod Brendamore, um, both as a player and as a coach. Uh, I'll go off the board a little bit and go with my original favorite Hurricane back, uh, kind of in the. 99, 2000, 2001 era, uh, Archers Urbe, uh, mm. just weird little Latvian goalie, um, hand stitch pads, like uh, a true jolt of personality. You know, that was the first player that I was watching. I'm like, ah, I like that guy. So I still hold a soft spot in my heart for Archie. My, uh, my co-host Sam Wallace is sitting over here. He's pointing at me when you said he pointed at himself when you said Rod Brendamore. So he loves, loves Rod. I, um, I love Cam Ward. Uh, I got a signed Jersey from, from him. He is one of my, he's my favorite player uh, throughout all of Kane's history time. Um, he, he, you know, con Smythe winner won the Stanley big part of why we won a cup. Definitely because Rod Brendamore, Eric Stahl. I mean, you know, all of those guys were pivotal for for the Stanley Cup run. Um is there a moment in time where or is there a game that you went to as a fan other than the Stanley Cup game that there is a clear memory that you have that you would want to say, you know, this 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 moment I remember like clear as day. Ah. They all kind of blend together. Um you know, I w- I think probably the one the one that would stand out going as a fan, um, you know, outside of being in the building for, for game seven in 2006 and winning it all is the first game in Raleigh. I, I had just moved to Raleigh in February of 99. Uh, the team opened up the season on the road. I think the first game was either late October, early November, as the then entertainment and sports arena was getting finished. And I really didn't know a lot about hockey at that point. Um, you know, I'd grow, I grew up in the rural part of Southern Virginia. Um, I picked up a little bit of hockey uh, when I went to William & Mary and all my friends from Northern Virginia who were Caps fans were kind of into it. And I was like, oh, this seems kind of cool, but I don't really understand it. But, you know, I managed to get a ticket to that first game at the ESA in 1999 and was you know, riding in the back of a truck with some friends and we all got in there and the, the parking control was horrendous. 
Uh, the traffic was backed up for miles. They they were not prepared for that opening night, unfortunately, and ended up making it into the building near the end of the first period. But you know, being in that building, hearing the excitement from the people who who actually understood the sport, kind of set me off on my journey to understanding the sport and and becoming a fan of the team. So you're the PA announcer. We hear you every game. The more we hear you, the happier the fans are. Um, well, most of the time after the goal horn, we're happy. You've got to announce the the bad guys sometimes scoring a goal. Um, so where where did your journey start to become a public address announcer? So if you trace it all the way back, as I mentioned, I grew up in a, a very small town in Southern Virginia where there wasn't a whole lot going on. And my mom was an English teacher and saw that her shy, introverted, weird son needed to to have a hobby, uh, let's say. So she got me into a thing called forensics, which is not crime scene investigation the way most people think of it now, but it's a public speaking competition. So I learned how to be a public speaker uh, through you know six years of doing that in high school and got pretty good at it uh, and, and really did come out of my shell. Went to college at William & Mary, got a degree in computer science because I work in technology as my real job. And while I was there, I built the first website for the Wayman Mary Sports Information Department back when websites were a new thing in like 1995, 96 timeframe, because uh, I am elderly. So I, I built the built them a website for sports information. And they're like, oh, awesome. Thanks for the website. That's really cool. We're, we're like on, on the internet now. Uh, by the way, you've done some public speaking. Would you like to do any announcing? We've got a few sports that don't have an announcer. You can You can do that. Um, so I did some announcing for uh, women's soccer, volleyball, women's basketball at Wayman Mary, and was absolutely terrible. I was atrocious at the job. Uh, but that, you know, you learn by making mistakes. And so I kind of got a little taste of the bug there. So fast forward to getting out of college. I spent a couple years in D.C., Philadelphia, moved to Raleigh, as I mentioned, in 1999 and needed a hobby because I moved to Raleigh kind of sight unseen. I didn't know anybody in town. But I had seen when I had come down to visit a friend a couple years prior, there was an improv comedy group in town called Comedy Sports. Uh, it's still around now. It's called Comedy Works in Raleigh. And they do a short form improv show, but it's a competitive show. Uh, so it's kind of like whose line is it anyway, except it's a sports theme around the show. So there's like a red team, a blue team, a referee, and an announcer, and they, and they make up the improv show. And I gravitated towards doing the announcer role in the show. So for, you know, 15 years or however long, I spent a lot of time building this improv comedy announcer character uh, through the comedy sports show. I started playing hockey uh, about 15, 16 years ago. Um, I'd learned how to ice skate and uh, started playing. So I you know, started playing out uh, as, a, as a forward, and I, then I switched to defense. Uh, picked up becoming a goalie at age 40 because I make terrible life decisions. <laughs> uh, so I've been playing the sport for a little while. About 10 or 11 years ago, I started doing professional wrestling ring announcing. Uh, through a professional wrestling group in Raleigh called Gouge Wrestling, and which was fun for me because I grew up as a wrestling fan as a kid. And so I got to kind of learn how to work the mic and work a crowd live in front of people at, at a wrestling show. And then in 2014, I was uh, hanging out on Twitter, as I uh, spend way too much time doing, and saw a post from the NC State club hockey team saying, hey, we could use an announcer and a DJ for our games. So I wrote to them and said, oh, hey, you know, I play hockey. I do pro wrestling ring announcing. I do improv comedy announcing kind of like I'd love to do it. So they said, sure, come on out. Um, and so I got, you know, they liked, liked what I did. So I spent a year doing that for state. So I learned how to kind of call a game from the perspective of dealing with the officials, dealing with the players, the penalty boxes, that whole thing. All that kind of came together in 2015 when the Canes had an audition for their open PA announcer job. And I was a late add into the announcer pool, but I had an audition and then I got a 
game, a preseason game to work at, to, to try it in real life. And uh, then I got the job and have not missed a game since uh, 300 straight games uh, since that uh, October of 2015. Have you ever been close to missing a game? Has there ever been any doubt? Have you ever been like, I might not be there tonight, fellas? Ah, uh, I I have shown up not feeling the best on a couple of occasions, but I power through. Um, there, there were there. Were, I got my COVID shot back when were we still doing empty arena games. I forget. Uh, whenever the first COVID shots came out, I finally got in line to get a COVID shot, and it was I had to go down to Kenston to get it, mm. and that was a game day. And I was just like, ah, oh, it's fine. So got my shot. Family got my, got our shots. Um, drove back, dropped them off at home, went to the game, announced the game. About the third period, I started kind of getting the shakes, oh, yeah. <laughs> the shivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hit me pretty hard, and I was I was not not really in my best form that third period, and thankfully didn't go into overtime. Um, and I, you know, kind of left as soon as I could you know, made it home and then kind of slept for the next two days. Uh, so that was not one where I was like in danger of missing the game. That was one where I was in danger of finishing the game. <laughs> and do we have an emergency backup PA announcer like the e-bugs? <laughs> uh, allegedly. Um, I've never met the person. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess I've been so reliable that uh, that they've never really needed one. Uh, I am right now in Prague. Uh, check it. Czech Republic. Um, so I'm not announcing the Hurricanes prospect camp game. Uh, my tag team partner from NC State Hockey, Burt Lawson, is doing the games there, uh, at least I assume. That's that's what they told me. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I've never, never needed a backup. So we'll see how long the streak keeps going. So I am curious because one of the one of the moments that kind of went a little bit that everyone got a chuckle from is when you were announcing the end of a period and didn't quite get there. Uh, Not quite. Almost. <laughs> almost. Uh, what kind of went through your head when you missed that beat a little bit? Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No. Uh, yeah. So I, uh, I announced one minute remaining in every period because that's a thing announcers do. And, I try to time it so I hit it right. Um, and sometimes my internal clock is just a, a half second off or so. Uh, so in this one particular game, uh, clock's going down 104, 103, 102, 101. I start talking one minute, and then I look, I hear a whistle, and I look up, and the clock has stopped at 101. <laughs> so in that instant, I have to decide what I'm going to do. I can say one minute remaining in the period and be wrong and have all my friends like uh, immediately blow up my phone on Twitter. Um, I can try to kind of catch myself and say one minute and one second remaining in the period, but the words are already coming out of my mouth while this is happening. So as I mentioned, I've spent uh, now probably 25 years doing improv comedy. And one of the things you learn in improv is if you're going to fail, fail big. That's where that's where the entertainment comes from. If you're going to fail, fail big. So I was like, all right, well, they've clearly caught me. I know it. They know it. So the, the way to make this fun is going to be to just completely own the fact that I missed it and say one minute. Re- no. And so, yeah, I made Steve Dangles dang it's the next day. And uh, I think I was on TV in Canada. Um, yeah. Yes. You know, again, if you're going to fail, fail big, make it memorable. I mean, I, we, we were at that game. We thought we thought it was funny and we, we enjoyed it. Um, it's always good to get a laugh, too. I mean, nothing wrong with that, um, as you know. Um, so you you have that moment. Was there a moment to war that you remember other than that, that you call, like, is there something that you struggled with? Maybe made a small mistake. Maybe it wasn't caught. Something that you maybe wish you had done a little differently at a call or at a game? Um, there have been a few. Uh, you know, I, I try I try to keep pushing myself to, to try something different because it is very easy to get into a routine in the job. Um, and it, 
if I'm doing the same thing over and over again, it's going to get boring. So I, tr- I try to try new things. Um, I've occasionally gotten burned by kind of just assuming I know a visiting team player's name and then finding out later that it is uh, incorrect. Um, so, for example, there uh, one of my good friends, Kurt Fry, uh, out of Portland, Oregon, he's a Calgary Flames fan. Why? I don't know. Uh, but the Calgary Flames have a defenseman uh, named Oliver, and his last name is K-Y-L. I-N-G-T-O-N. And I see that name on the rosters. I'm making the roster for the game. And I'm like, oh, very straightforward name. I don't need to do any research on this. I'll just move move past it. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the gentleman, but how would you say that name? K-Y-L-I-N-G-T-O-N. Probably Killington. Uh, It is Shillington. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I said Kylington, uh, and I was wrong. And, uh, and my, my friend Kurt immediately texted me. He's like, that's not how you say his name. Thanks, Kurt. Um, <laughs> I called, uh, Alex Petrangelo of the St. Louis Blues at the time, uh, Alex Peterangelo, uh, as in the owner of the Baltimore Orioles. Um, yeah, I mean, messing up, messing up a visiting team player's name is, is just, you know, it, it, as much research as I put into it and I try, sometimes the, the wires are just going to get crossed. Um, I do remember one time I tried something. I was like, oh, I wonder if, th- I wonder how this will work. Um, so as you remember, uh, we used to have uh, Derek Ryan on the team for a few years during the Bill Peters era. Um, and as we all know, Derek Ryan had a nickname and his nickname was, do you remember? I do not. It was the doctor, D.R. That's Derek right, Ryan, the doctor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he scored a goal in the game, and I announced, you know, Carolina Hurricanes goal scored by number I can't remember whatever number he wore at the time. The doctor, Derek Ryan, and immediately my ear from Game Ops was, "Don't do that." <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool, worth a shot. Um, so the, the funny kind of coda to that story is that uh, that year I went to the Canes Bash, where the uh, or Casino Night, I think it was at the time, where the players and, the, and people mingle and stuff, and you can kind of see people kind of out of their gimmick a little bit. Um, and it was a very very nice night, raising a lot of money for the foundation. But at one point during the night, I look over and Derek Ryan's kind of standing off by himself, uh, no fans bothering him. It's like ah, let me go talk to him. So I go up to him. Uh, hey, Derek, I'm Wade. I'm the team's PA announcer. Oh, hey, yeah, nice to meet you. I was like, I got a question for you. Because I honestly don't know. I was like, when, when you guys are on the ice, on the bench, whatever, and I'm talking, do you hear me? And, and it's not really a dumb question because these are very highly trained professional athletes. They are in the zone. You know, they've got a job to do. It is entirely possible to them. I'm just background noise. Like they, like I'm just, they just tune me out. Uh, so I asked, I was like, do you guys like hear me when I talk? And he's like, yeah, yeah, we hear you. Like, oh, all right. Um, second question. Did you hear me when I announced your goal as the doctor, Derek Ryan? He's like, yeah, yeah, I heard that. Um. He's like, the guys were kind of giving it to me on the bench a little bit when you said it, but I thought it was funny. Like, all right, cool. Good to know. Thanks for, thanks for letting me know. That's funny. That's good. That's a good story. Um, I guess we'll kind of lead into the next question. Is there another player interaction you've had that kind of just sticks out to you, whether it was really funny or just something that's ingrained in your, your mind that you're never going to forget that, that interaction. Uh <laughs> Probably for the wrong reasons, but a uh, few, few years ago, we were playing Nashville in a preseason game, and it was uh, one, of the, one of the years, I think probably the only year, we had Michael Furland on the team, mm-hmm. uh, if you remember him. Yep. And so preseason game, meaningless game, uh, but it's, you know the last preseason game, so mostly NHL regulars are, are in the lineup. And at one point, there's a fight on the ice between Michael Furland 
and PK Subban from the Nashville Predators. And they're really, they, you know, they're it, it, unusual, unusual amount of kind of anger coming out there. Because um, normally, if guys get into a scrap or something, they'll come to the box. Back when I used to sit in the box, which rip, uh, unfortunately, don't do that anymore. But when you sit in the box, there's no glass between any of it. There's like, so where I used to sit, uh, I sat very, I sat right beside the visiting team's penalty box. Like I could put my arm out and I was in the visiting team penalty box. There's a little half wall right here separating me from the visiting team penalty box. Then there's the other office officials and then an open spot to the home penalty box. So you hear everything. And there's nothing between. Um, but most of the time, guys come in, they have a scrapper zone, they're like laughing with each other. It's it's, it's quite entertaining. Uh, but these guys are hot. So the rest finally get them separated. And they send them to the box. And the door's shut. But they're still jawing at each other. And I feel behind me, as I'm sitting in my chair, like air moving and I hear loud noises. And what I didn't really know uh, fully until afterwards when I saw the video, uh, people posted it. Subban is like leaned over that half wall with his stick behind my head, just shaking his stick at Furland. Um, and I'm just like straight ahead. I'm like, don't look at him. Don't look at him. He's going to eat you. Don't look at him. Don't look at him. <laughs> uh, so, so before the puck drops, like the ref comes over and he like gets him to open the door and he like tells them both like, you need to sit down and shut up right now. Or you're both out of the game. And they finally calm down. But, you know, I've, I've still got the video saved somewhere of like me sitting there just kind of like looking at, looking at my microphone and Subban behind me, just like shaking his stick. Oh my goodness. That must've been probably a little, little nerve wracking too, knowing you got a hockey player right behind you, threatening the other yeah. guy behind you. And you got to keep looking forward, hoping to God that stick doesn't come into contact with your head. Exactly. I'm just kind of kind of leaning forward a little more than I normally do. Like, uh. oh my goodness, do you think you'll ever be back in that that spot again, or is this permanent decision? I mean, uh, I know COVID switched you up to the up to the the rafters, but will it change? You think you'll be back there again? Maybe another season or two. I I is not my decision and I have not heard officially. I will, I will say I am not optimistic. Mm. Do you want to go back down there again? If you, if you yes. got time? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, it is a lot easier to do the job from down in the box. Cause I have access to talk to the off ice officials, the on ice officials. Like I can get the penalty calls. I can get the scoring uh, from, from way up top. I actually have like my laptop open to uh, NHL.com, and I'm waiting to see, like, as the penalties and goals and stuff get entered into the system, what they are. So I'm a lot slower than I want to be, and my information isn't as accurate because uh, I can't talk to the people who have the accurate information. Um, so you're up there on Press Row. Um, fans can see you if you're in the 100 level um, or 300 level. Is there anyone up there who ever gives you a hard time or tries uh, to you get you to kind of break character? Not really. I'll, uh, you know, I, I, I can focus pretty well. So, you know, I, if, if someone's like yelling at me or something, I really don't notice it until it's time for that part of my brain to turn on for me to notice it. Um, I do, I can see my old seat in section 328 from up there. So that's kind of cool. I see, uh, I see a lot of my old friends sitting there. Um, we'll occasionally have people come up during the intermission and, and yell at me or say, Hey, or something. Uh, sometimes I'll toss them down a magnet or whatever. Uh, generally my fan interaction happens before the game when I kind of walk the concourse between the time the doors open and the, the time warmups start. Um, so that's kind of become a thing. People are, are looking for me doing that, at least the, the handful of folks who know who I am. And, uh, I got the team to give me like some, uh, storm flag magnets and I hand those out to people who, who say hi to me on the concourse. So it's, it's become a fun little thing. Uh, so that, that's generally when I see people who uh, who I get to chat with. Very nice. Um, another thing you kind of started, I'm just curious where you got the idea to do mentor mail from. <laughs> ah, that, that, uh, so that, that's a COVID thing. Um, so uh, I'm not sure if you knew, but there was a global pandemic and everything kind of stopped for a little while. Uh, it, it was on, it was in the papers, uh, big, big story there. And then they, 
they opened the games back up after the Stanley Cup bubble season and then after kind of an off season that was really weird. And then we did the empty arena games for like two months. I don't know. Uh, Time has no meaning anymore. But we were doing those empty arena games where there was like legit 50 people in the building. Um, And I was one of them announcing goals and penalties to nobody. That was weird. Um, And they they, they had like, you know, fans could put their own fat heads in the seats and stuff. It it was a bizarre time. Yep. Um, But there are no fans in the building. And the prior years uh, in the before times when I was sitting in the box after Kane's victories, I would sometimes take sheets out of my paper game script, like goal sheets or lineup sheets or things like that. And I would like hand them over the glass to people sitting behind me who seemed like they might care if they got one, like, uh, it's weird, but it's an interesting little souvenir. So, you know, sometimes, you know, a, a number of times during the course of a season, I would like just take a few of the sheets and I'd hand them over and people are like, Oh, what is this? Why would I care? Um, but then we got to the empty arena games and I knew that Kane's fans wanted to be there uh, and couldn't. So I thought back to this little thing that I would do after games where I would hand those sheets over. I'm like, well, you know, I can't do a lot to kind of bring the, the game to people who want to be there, but I've got these pieces of paper that were at the game that have information about the game on there. They're, they're kind of my working copies of, of me doing my job. I wonder if anyone would care if, if I sent them to them because even though they couldn't be there, they can have something that was there. Right. Yeah. Um, so after, you know, second or third empty arena game, I'd kind of, I saved a few of the sheets and kind of put it out on Twitter that, Hey, I got these things. Does anyone, anyone want them? I'll mail them to you. And then I had, you know, a handful of people say, Sure. Uh, I was like, cool, and I'll send them out to you. And so then the next game, I did it again. The next game, I did get it again. And um, after a few of these, and I started sending them out, I sent one to my friend uh, Hannah Smith in Chapel Hill. And she posted on Twitter, like, hey, I got my mentor mail. And I was like, yes, that that's what this is. You, This is clearly what it is. You, you have discovered this This is a thing. You have named it now. Um. And so I was just like, all right, well, this is a thing now. I'm doing it. Uh, and so I, I've, for the past two, three seasons, I don't know, however long it's been since the AMD Arena th- games, I've been sending them out after every game. I take kind of, uh, you know, starting lineup, rosters, goals, penalties, basically anything that has to do with the Canes. And it's usually anywhere between three and 10 pieces of paper. And I'll. I'll ask, I'll throw it out on Twitter and we're like, we're in a little contest and stuff and I'll get like 300 people or so like wanting five sheets of paper. Uh, so yeah, it's gotten, it's become its own thing and it's gotten a lot bigger than I kind of ever thought it would be for just a, Hey, this is weird, but does anyone want this sort of idea? Oh, that's pretty cool. That, that That's always good to see things like that too. All right. So we know at the, after wins, you'll have a victory scotch. I do. What's your favorite drink? What is your favorite, favorite drink? Uh, oh God, I got so many good ones. Um, I, I've got a soft spot in my heart for kind of the first scotch that I really tried and liked. Uh, my friend Nathan Walls, who's now up in Pennsylvania, but lived here at the time, suggested this one to me and I tried it. It's the uh, Glenmorangie Quinta Rubin, aged in some sort of wine barrel. I think it's port, maybe. Uh, it's, uh, I think a 14 year old, it was a 12. Now it's a 14. And yeah, I, I, I sample from a wide variety of sources when I do the victory scotch. Um, and again, people are kind of looking for it at the end of the game. Hey, where's the victory scotch? <laughs> Sell down. I got to drive home first. Um, but when I, the, the last several years that they've done a casino night slash Canes bash, uh, I've been lucky enough to be able to put a basket together, kind of like the players and, auction it off for charity and I'll put a signed game script in there and some other kind of, you know, stuff that I think would be interesting for people. And I always put a bottle of Glenmore and G Quinta Rubin in there to, to represent the victory scotch. 
Very nice. Do you have what other than scotch? Do you have another drink that you like to have? Or I personally am a maker's guy. I love a good glass of makers. Oh yeah. yeah it's good. Bourbons are good. Um, I, I went to Texas for work a couple weeks ago. I lived in San Antonio for a few years, a couple years back in the late two thousands and picked up a bottle of, uh, Balcones, uh, I think it was Diablo. It's like a smoked bourbon, uh, smoked mm. over like Texas mesquite or something. And it, it's, it's quite tasty. Very, very, very interesting. It's always good to have the victory, the victory celebration drinks. Yep. Yeah. The, the, uh, the bourbon of sadness does not catch on quite as much. No, it does not. Not at all. All right. So one, one last favor to ask of you, do you think we could get a goal call? Sure. Uh, how about Max Pacioretty? We won't be able to hear his name for a while. Oh, no, no I, I, I can't spoil. I, you get, the first one you got to hear live. So you got to hear like live. Brent Burns, Max Pacioretty. Uh, you'll hear it when the fans hear it. But uh, anyone that I've done before, I'll be glad to do it. I, I don't want to spoil Max Pacioretty until, um, until we actually get to call his first one for the Canes. I think that's more than reasonable. What about Andre Svechnikov, fan favorite? All right. So we've got... Carolina Hurricanes goal scored by number 37, Andres Fetchnikov. Woo! All right, sir. Thank you for your time. It was greatly appreciated. I hope you have a safe trip back home and you enjoy the rest of your time in Europe. Yeah, it's going to be a fun week uh, here in Europe and Prague and Lisbon, but I'm heading home Sunday the 25th so I can be ready to go for that first preseason game in Raleigh on September 27th. Well, we look forward to hearing the calls. Thank you. No problem. Hey guys, this is Sam Wallace again, and we just wanted to thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Caniac Report. We love this community of Canes fans that... Listen to us. If you like it and really want to help us out, please rate, leave a comment, and subscribe. We will see you guys again next week.